Hello everyone, JP here. I hope this note finds you well. Summer is here and we will be taking a break. I will be focusing my time on researching and writing the book all about the last 8%. Um, We don't know the title. Roughly though, it will be looking at what does it mean to grow the skills to be better in the last 8%, to use those opportunities to transform ourselves, also transform our teams. What does it mean to build a last 8% culture? What does that mean exactly? In the meantime, we have chosen some favorite episodes from past seasons for your listening enjoyment. And because we want you to keep moving and listening. Why? Well, we know that mood follows movement. And so we have over 145 different episodes. Go back, listen to various ones, listen to them again. It's great for the repetition because there's a lot of good content there, but more so it's about building these habits. Uh, If you're interested in finding out what your predictable default behavior is, that is, what do you do? What's your pattern when you face a last 8%? Go to the show notes. You can take our quiz. Um, But most of all, you know, feel free to join our Facebook group and share everything with other folks. But most of all, have a wonderful summer and we will see you back real soon. Thanks so much. Welcome to the last 8% morning. This is JP Palu Fry. It is so great to be with you today. In today's episode, we often get caught in our thinking, hooked by the steady stream of emotions we experience and the stories that follow those emotions. The question for today is, does it matter that we get hooked? I mean, beyond the fact that it doesn't feel very good to get hooked. But if we do not let these emotions and stories about these emotions seep out and impact others, does it matter that we have these emotions and thoughts? In today's episode, we explore the neuroplasticity of thought and why it is one of the more powerful reasons why we practice. Excited to be here? I certainly am. Let's walk. Out walking, enjoying this gorgeous day, moving as we are able. At the last 8% morning, we walk. We integrate three things, movement and mindfulness and mental training exercises so that we can be better in our last 8% situations. Those difficult conversations that we sometimes avoid or those challenging decisions that we sometimes put off. It's so great to be with you today. So just 
Feel your feet on the ground. Whether you are walking or on an elliptical or a trainer of some kind, really tune into your physical sensations. Feel the feet, whatever they are contacting. And now feel your belly rise and fall. We start our morning walk. Not everyone does it in the morning. You might be doing this at lunch or later. But we start our walk by tuning in, being mindful of our body, of emotions or thoughts or whatever is present in our experience. But we start with physical sensations because as a long-time listener, you know that physical sensations only occur in the moment, not like thought, which can be in the future or in the past. So really anchor into this moment. Let go of whatever you were doing, whatever you were thinking, and just take this moment to be present. And now go through your body and just feel the top of your head right down to your toes. Tune in into the two barometers that we use, the interoceptive system. What does that mean? Our body can actually only feel two parts of sensations. One is what's pleasant or unpleasant and the scale between the two. So right now, just feel from the top of your head right down to your toes, sensations that feel pleasant or neutral or unpleasant. Just scan your whole body for a moment. And now do the same for calm to not calm or calm to physiologically aroused. So again, from head to toe, just sense any sensations that are calm or neutral or not calm. Just feel in your body. I often feel around my heart not calm. I feel a lot of neutral I feel a fair amount of calm today, but I'm just going through as we, as you are, so am I. I'm just checking in. Fantastic. Now just soften the heart. Just relax your hands. Tune into the sounds that are in your environment, maybe my voice or anything on this recording, but also in your environment. Mindfulness is paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally. And we practice mindfulness. We make it a practice. We build this muscle of mindfulness 
every day so that when we get into our more difficult moments and things get hot, we can stand, not run. We can face and feel as opposed to avoid and awful eyes. Now, standing tall, looking around, feeling grateful. Feel so fortunate just to be here in this moment. Now, let's move to our idea of the day. You want to be happy. You want to live at ease. You don't want to be overly anxious. You want to be present for others. And you want to deal effectively with the ups and downs that you face. But you sometimes find yourself engulfed by strong emotions. Maybe something is bothering you at work. It could be a relationship that you're struggling with. Maybe it's something that's going on at home. Some issue with your partner or kids or a different important relationship in your life. In either case, you might find yourself getting irritated with others or feel that internal sense of frustration. It's pretty normal if you're human. The question is, if people do not see your frustrations and irritations on the outside, does it matter if you have these strong emotions and stories that follow emotions? What do I mean by that? That might sound like an odd question. Really what I'm trying to get at is what is the effect on us of having these emotions and thoughts ourselves? In other words, what's at stake for us? What's at stake has everything to do with neuroplasticity, specifically neuroplasticity of thought as we're framing it today. First, what is this idea of neuroplasticity? It refers to the changes that happen in the brain as a result of our interactions with our environment. And from the time the brain begins to develop while we're in our mother's uterus, the connections among the cells in our brains reorganize constantly in response to what we experience, to what we need. This is what allows us to learn and adapt to different environments. In other words, every time we think in a certain way or do a particular task in a certain way or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen a neural pathway and it becomes easier to travel that particular pathway in the brain the next time we face a similar situation. It's kind of like tobogganing. Now, I realize some of you don't live in cold climates. So it's kind of like a, a ski run, but you're on a toboggan or a, a sleigh, a sled. Anyway, the more you go down a snowy hill on a toboggan, the more you create a groove or a path on the hill, and the more you create a rut. And as the rut grows, the easier it becomes to travel down that same path the next time you are going down the hill kind of makes sense. Well, that's what's going on in our brain. That's what's going on in our brain. And what's interesting is that unlike computers, which really comes with a specific hardware setup, 
And though it, you know it gets software updates, it has a specific hardware setup. Our brains are capable of both a hardware and a software upgrade or update. So our brain changes based on what we experience outwardly and inwardly. And this is how habits are formed. I mean, it's amazing. The problem is that much of our behavior and our thinking is beyond our awareness. It's not something that we're aware of. This is the invisible part. Now, to be clear, we need a certain amount of automaticity of behavior and thought on some level because there's so much going on that we actually can't take it all in. We can't think of everything that we're doing or thinking, quite frankly. We'd be paralyzed um, by so much going on if we weren't able to do this. But having said that, we can often be engaging in much thinking and reactions that don't serve us and that can create ruts or these neural pathways that become our habits. And this is especially true when it comes to thoughts. Stand tall, look around, feel grateful, feel your feet on the ground, feel so fortunate to have a body that works however it works, lungs that breathe, the ability to pay attention. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I was working with a leader by the name of Claire. Of course, it's not really her name. And on the outside, she was really incredibly positive and optimistic. Um, But as I worked with her and as I coached her, it became clear that she found herself internally reacting and getting negative to towards a particular colleague. Um, and Claire had a belief, a, a feeling that as long as she didn't show it, it was perfectly fine to be irritated with this person. She thought, you know, what was the cost? Now, forgetting that emotions are infectious for a moment and that as a leader, we set the tone. I'm going to leave that alone. That's the subject of another episode. As I explored more with Claire, it became pretty clear there was a great cost besides those two. Her negative internal thought and reaction was becoming a habit of thought for her. She started to have internal negative thoughts and reactions to more than just this person in her world. As we explored, she had some similar irritations with other coworkers and clients and to situations sometimes, like her company is going through a big change. Even family, her parents were getting older and needed more care, and she could see herself getting upset with her brothers who were not carrying their weight. And she was more and more filled with this negativity than she was even aware of. And this is literally neuroplasticity of thought in action. Remember, if we keep doing something, or thinking something, it creates more of the same, more depth of that neural pathway in our brain, and it, and it increases the probability that we will engage in that same behavior, that same thinking at a future time. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, life is a perpetual instruction in cause and effect. It was making clear more negative, and she wasn't really aware of it. This is the more insidious aspect to our thoughts that we miss. 
when we indulge in resentment or self-righteous thinking, yes, we suffer the immediate pain of those thoughts and emotions. And yes, we might cause others harm, which is obviously not great. But what we also get is the reinforcement of those thoughts and emotions and stories and reactions, behaviors in ourselves. This is who we become. This is powerful. We are creating our future by what we're doing right now. So I want to ask you, is this who you want to become? Is this what you want to model to others at home or at work? So what do we do? Well, there's really two parts. Number one, we need to extinguish the old pathways, the old neural pathways that don't serve us. How do we do that? We practice mindfulness every day, whether sitting mindfulness or with this podcast, walking mindfulness, we practice. The more we practice, the more we are able to pay real attention to the emotions we feel and see the stories that come after that emotion. And the more we practice, we polish a lens. And through that lens, we can see our experience and discern more whether our reactions to these emotions and stories are serving us or serving others. To extinguish these pathways means really at first to just start by picking up when we're falling into that negative thinking and reaction. Even if we don't do anything different in the moment, what we are doing is stopping the autopilot nature that can run our life and can create those ruts of negativity. And we can simply see it for what it is, a story that is negative. And we can face and feel it and not let it escalate. And just the not letting it escalate is huge. And then we can think about, you know, when we have a bit of self, bit of awareness in that moment, whether this is the person we want to be. Because by giving into it, which is what we do when we're not aware, indulging in these thoughts, this is what is happening. What we do right now, the thoughts we have, the reactions we have, will become our future selves and our future reality. Yes, there's a lot at stake if we are not aware of the emotions and thoughts that we have. And we don't need to be perfect. But my goodness, to me, this is... This is the heart of it. Because if we can stop it before it escalates, the neural pathway over time starts to extinguish. Because we're not traveling down it all the time. Then we truly have a chance at changing our life, changing our brain. So take a deep breath down into the toes, calming this body. And breathing out, releasing tension. So number one, we need to extinguish the old pathways that don't serve us. Number two, we need to create new competitive pathways. It's just not enough to stop the old pathways. That's a start. And look, when we walk every day, that's what we're doing. 
But because it is too easy for these old pathways of reaction or judgment or anxiety to continue, what we need are new competitive pathways so that this new loop gets used and we don't fall back into the old pathways. So how do we do that? I mean, again, this is a long practice, right? And I'm not going to be able to tell you everything in one podcast episode. But at its heart, it's about building a practice of empathy for us to try to get underneath what that other person might be experiencing and not and try not to personalize whatever we see on the surface in their behavior or in what they say or in the emails or texts that we get. Now, we have a whole series on empathy in this podcast in a previous season, so I'm going to point you there. But the biggest thing is that when you get irritated with someone, first just notice it and ask, you know, do I want to reinforce irritation? And then try to see if you can be curious as opposed to certain about what is going on. And that's how we build these new pathways. We can ask, what assumptions am I making right now? What am I feeling? Is my reaction helping me? What might their good intentions be? Do they feel heard? What is going on for them? What do they need from me? What is my impact right now? And these questions can make all the difference in the world. As Mehmet Oz said, the opposite of anger is not calmness, it's empathy. So that's where we work. That's how we build this new pathway of compassion and empathy and understanding. And it doesn't mean we have to agree with someone or do what they say, but just so we can, as we say in our training programs, get to the other side of the bridge and understand what's going on, it can change so much. We start to change how we see the situation. And this seen differently is the start of this new neural pathway being laid down. And then we can reinforce that pathway over and over and over again every time we are in this situation of feeling a strong emotion, of irritation, of frustration. And we have the story that follows the emotion. And we have a reaction to all of this. So every time we're in that situation, we can just stop. Be mindful. Notice it first and foremost. That's what mindfulness does. And we can just choose not to continue to indulge in those thoughts, extinguish the old pathway. And then we can create the new pathway by asking these questions, bringing a little bit of empathy to the situation. And I'll just say this, this is a long road, right? Won't happen all at once, but honestly, little by little, bit by bit, you can do this. And of course, we want to be there to help you. You don't have to struggle in these last 8% situations on your own and so however we can help and you know the podcast we have a digital course we have a last eight percent academy which is a longer more in-depth course that includes social learning because we want to help you work and lead and live more courageously in the last eight percent so that we can have the courage to be bold, have the courage to take risks, have the courage to be uncomfortable, 
Have the courage to be exceptional. This is all possible in our lives. But it starts, it starts with first just knowing that, yes, there are consequences to ourselves when we indulge in negative thinking and that reinforcement of reaction that we sometimes fall into. So let's move now to our three by three. What are first three mindful breaths right down into your toes, calming this body. Now, three things that you can feel grateful for without working very hard. Now, three goals that you want to make for the day. What are three big rocks? And if you got these done, it would make a big difference. Fantastic. If you're getting something from this podcast, please share it with people who could benefit. There are a lot of people who are suffering out there and we want to be a force for good. We want to give them tools and the courage to step in and do what's difficult. So feel free to share, you know, take a picture of your phone and share it on social media or with friends. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Join our Facebook group. Lots of great things going on at the last 8%. I want to finish with a, a quote by somebody I've never actually uh, heard from before. Tracy Leah LaRussa. So as we finish, let's bring this energy and motivation and momentum into the day. She said, judge tenderly, if you must. There's usually a side you have not heard, a story you know nothing about, and a battle waged that you do not have to fight. Let me say that one more time. Judge tenderly, if you must. There's usually a side you have not heard, a story you know nothing about, and a battle waged that you do not have to fight. Have a wonderful day.